0: This is Christmas week. Praise be to God that this is when we celebrate our Savior's birth. We know that Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th, but it's a place marker we have so that we can celebrate the plan of the Father by bringing Jesus into our world and ushering in a brand new covenant. This Christmas week, we are looking at the glory of God through the act of adoration, If you're new to this podcast, hello. I'm Pastor Karina Dawn-Reed, and I'm here to guide you into God's Word and help you apply it to your life. The Trumpets of Tears of Podcast is a biblical lifestyle targeting tool for shifting your mindset from the world's way back to God's way. The more time we spend in the Lord's presence and the more we study scripture, the closer to God we become. And the closer to God we become, the more we see his glory and splendor. He is glorious. His ways are glorious. His creation is glorious. He is just glory upon glory. And that is why he wants to take us from glory to glory so that we will become closer to him, which means we'll look more and more like him. Second Corinthians three, verse 18 says, and we all with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Wow. What a beautiful gift from God that it's his glorious design that we can transform more and more into his image, going from glory to glory to glory. We get the chance to increase in glory because of God's glory. That is mind boggling, isn't it? The father sets the example that as he raises us up, we are called to raise others up. There's no competition in God's kingdom. When the devil rose up against God, there wasn't a battle. You can't compete with God because he is the only authority. So when the devil tried to compete with God, he was simply thrown out of heaven. No battle, no war, just cast out. God doesn't ever feel his authority being threatened because it's impossible to come against him and win. But he does command, honor, respect, and praise. His glory moves us to praise and worship and pour out our hearts to him. He doesn't try to keep us from attaining more of his glory. We're not in competition with God. When we understand this, not just in our head, but in our heart, we can see that we are also supposed to raise others up as God raises us up as we are made in the image of God and progressively being transformed more and more into his image, there is no competition to us. God has created each of us unique with our own fingerprints that testify to our own unique purpose because God has created us with that purpose. We are his creation. We have no competition. God calls us to be in community with one another raising each other up. Some of you are called to be leaders of leaders, ensuring that you train others and help launch them into something that might be similar to what you do or to one of your previous callings that you've experienced in this life. And if they seem to surpass you in earthly success, amen, glory to God that you were successful in the purpose that God created you for. Some of you are called to mentor those in crisis, raising them up from where they're at and launching them into a healthy mindset, bringing them closer to the Lord and launching them into a new season of life. And if that's you, amen, glory to God that you were successful in the purpose that God created you for helping take others from one level of glory to another in the same way that God has taken you from glory to glory. And there's tons of examples, but the point is that each of us are made unique. We're called to touch different lives with different people and fulfill the purpose that God created us for. And there's no competition in that. No one can take away our purpose. No one can steal the destiny that God has created us with. And in that same way, God raises us up. We're called to raise others up. And we need to do it with honor and respect and intent. It's God's design, and that design is beautiful. Psalm 24, verse 10. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory who rules over all creation with his heavenly armies. Selah. Now let's think about this. God is the King of glory. Imagine this in your head right now. Father God sitting on a regal throne with heavenly armies around him. Notice it doesn't say a singular army. This is plural. Armies are around him. He's the Lord of hosts. The angels are surrounding him. It's that awesome, isn't it? Thinking about that should make us awestruck. God is the ruler over everything. Nothing can escape from him. Nothing can come against him. And this is our God who desires to take us from one level of glory to an even greater level of glory. Why would we try anything else? Why would we we not offer this to others? Why would we try it any other way than God's way? We have access to our glorious Father who has designed our existence to be competition proof and all we have to do is follow his ways. Our part is easy, just be obedient to what he says and how he's commanded us to live, and we receive benefit after benefit from him. How glorious. Our dictionary defines glory in three parts, a noun, a verb, and an interjection, like an exclamation of speech. But in the Bible, when the word glory is used as it relates to the Lord, It's only a noun. It means glorious, honor, abundance, splendor, and riches. All these things are of God because he is the king of all. It's overwhelmingly impressive to think of our God in this way, but it's the truth of who he is. Psalm 26 verse 8 says, Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. We're called to dwell with the Lord. The Lord already dwells with us in the form of his Holy Spirit in us, but sometimes we aren't a good host to him. Sometimes we forget that he is dwelling with us and we ignore him. But we're called to be mindful and host him well. We should long for his company day and night. We should want to spend time with him because we love him and adore him. And when we understand his glory and his design for our life, we can start to long for his presence. King David, who wrote that scripture, knew the power and the glory of God. King David knew the importance of following the commands of God, and King David also knew the importance of raising others up. King David also knew how powerful it was to be in the presence of God, and he learned to long for that presence. We are called to be the children who long for the presence of our Father above the presence of people, even those that we love the most. When we desire the presence of God, worship and praise erupt out of us. It's an automatic reaction to the presence of God. We intentionally come into the presence, and then automatically our praise erupts. And in our praise, we are moved to the adoration of the Lord. That same adoration that the wise men experienced. Matthew 2 verse 11. And after entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then after opening their treasure chest, they presented to him gifts fit for a king, gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. We can always prepare our hearts and our minds for what is to come. But when in the very presence of God, we don't know how we're actually going to react. The Holy Spirit compels us in ways that we don't expect because it takes us out of our human processes and into spiritual processes. This scripture makes me wonder how the wise men actually did worship the Lord. They were prepared to find him. They were prepared with gifts. They were even prepared to give him their worship. But what was it actually like when they came into the presence and they fell down and they worshiped? How long did they worship him for? We can't skip over this detail in the Christmas story because worshiping the Lord happens when we encounter him and it matters. The wise men worshiped the Lord with adoration before they did anything else. They worshiped him and they honored him first. They encountered the Lord and their first reaction was to worship him. Was that their plan? I don't know, but that was the way of the father and that was the father's plan and his expectation. And so this is what happened. So whether the wise men expected this to be their first response or not, their reaction was to worship first. So I want to ask you this Christmas week, how are you preparing? What do you have planned and what does your schedule look like? Have you been moved yet in adoration of the Lord? See, we can sing Christmas carols, but are you singing out of tradition, or are you singing them in praise and honor to God? Are you intentionally coming into the presence of God when you sing in order to worship him or are you going through traditional motions? We have an opportunity this Christmas to come closer to the Lord, to bow down in worship to him, to make this week about him which is the reason why it exists in the first place and so I encourage you to intentionally come into the presence of God every single day the Holy Spirit can guide you into the worship of the Lord and worship the Lord until you feel the awe and wonder of who he is let your heart be enamored by his goodness and his glory until it actually overcomes you when you do you'll experience the presence of the Lord in such a powerful way that you'll remember it for all your future Christmases, which will change the way you operate throughout the Christmas season each and every year. Merry Christmas, my tears of family. May the Lord bless you with beautiful surprises this Christmas week.